Welcome to the Shift Daily Podcast. I'm Shane Hewitt. It's a daily bite-sized morsel of our four-hour middle-of-the-night program. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca. The Shift Daily Podcast starts right now. Let's do Are You Okay? How's the moon dial? We ready to go? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, the moon's kind of, uh, shaped like a, like a fingernail, like a thumbnail, and, uh, it's looking pretty good out there, so I think it's time to, uh, as good of a time as any to do Are You Okay? Are You Okay? Are you okay with anonymous sources? Hmm. Um, I... I I guess I'm saying this as somebody who is working in or associated with the media industry. So I guess I should say no. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I, I, mean, I am. I, I, it's, it's used a lot by like, like sports journalists to protect their sources. Like uh, you see it all the time. Uh, we got this from an anonymous source. Um, but particularly like me going to journalism school for like two years, like I never liked it. Like I never liked having an anonym, anonymous source. Yeah, and I get it in um like if it's if it's in the media as an anonymous source because like it's a witness that's in some sort of protection and then they're going to testify in court. Yeah. Th- I mean th- they're they're being accountable and they're doing they're not really anonymous to the court. So I get it in that perspective, but otherwise I don't really get it. And it was a big deal this week. It's not a shocker here of who it was though. Um and let's just say it's she's not queen of the integrity pile. Fox News host Laura in- uh, Ingram uh, interviewed uh, an anonymous source Tuesday on her show, disguising the voice, having the silhouette outline, the backlit silhouette outline of this person as well. You couldn't see their face, couldn't hear the voice, this anonymous source. And the interview was alleging voter fraud in the 2020 presidential election. With the shocking details. Now, we're going to be concealing her identity, even disguising her voice over her own safety concerns. Uh, thank you for joining us. Um, you saw something suspicious, we're gonna get right into it tonight, happening on the side of a Biden-Harris van in the parking lot of the polling station. Now walk the audience through what happened. I went out to go for a walk on my break and I probably had a, a 150, 175-foot stretch where I was walking, the, the Biden van was parked along this stretch, and I was walking to it, so about 150 feet, I was walking, and I could see these people hand over what appeared to be white envelopes, just hand over onto this table, and as I got closer, the envelopes were being torn open. There were two men, or two people dropping the envelopes, and two people ripping them open and turning and facing the van, and drawing on them or marking them. And as I got closer, you know, as I was walking, they would put things down and pick more paper up and mark on the van and then put it down and pick some more up. And as I got closer, I thought, those are ballots. I thought, those are ballots as I got closer. Well, how close did you get to be able to read a ballot? (laughs) Are these the same ballots that the, the Republic, well, that Donald Trump, not the Republican Party, that Donald Trump has called into question as being election fraud in regards to the presidential election 
whether they voted for Trump or for Biden, but these exact same ballots that have all the senator and House races on them um, have those winning because the Republicans won all that. Don't see Trump calling into question those exact same physical pieces of paper to be recounted for the other levels of government. Only for presidents. So these exact same fake ballots, fraudulent ballots are somehow only fraudulent on the top checkbox, not the other checkboxes below. I'm not okay with anonymous sources. How convenient is that for creating the news? Yeah. Yeah, and I think Laura Ingram just sounds dumber and dumber every time I see her, like, on the news. I don't know. Uh, she's she's someone that, like, buys into this stuff, which kind of annoys me. Uh, at the same time, I saw a tweet today saying... Why would a Biden Harris, if you were gonna, if you were gonna do fraud, why would you use a van that says Biden and Harris on it, unless yep. you're trying to, right? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. If you were going to do that, you would care. You know who would do that? A, a Trump guy would do that. Yes, would show up in Jeffrey. a Biden Harris van, oh. right? Like, if you were gonna do it, you were gonna, sh you're gonna show up in the opposite person's van. Like if I'm a if I'm a Trump guy, I'm going to show up in a Biden Harris van and then make a big deal about exactly. fake ballots. And if I'm a Biden Harris person, I'm going to show up in a in a Trump Pence van to make them look bad, right? Like that's <laughs> mind blowing to me. Your text messages are are coming in. Uh, who's the alien? Aliens are here. Laura Ingram is disgustingly stupid. Trump lands attempts to trying to hold power is pathetic. Um, thank you for your text message eight seven seven three nine nine ninety eight ninety eight. Are you okay? Are you okay with monster robots? Yes. I am uh, always okay with monster robots, especially in the films. The films. That, yeah, that, that actually sounds pretty cool. Monster robots. Monster I'm not, I'm not cool robots. With, I'm, not, I'm not okay with monsters, monsters, like if they're like real monsters, but I am okay with monster robots. Okay. That's weird, but okay. A Japanese town has deployed monster... Nope. A Japanese town has... I just made that part up. Don't even read it, Shane. Just make it up as you go. A Japanese town has deployed robot wolves in an effort to scare away bears that have become an increasingly dangerous nuisance in the countryside. Um, the town of Takakawa on the northern island of Hokkaido purchased and installed a pair of the robots after bears were found roaming neighborhoods in September. City officials said there have been no bear encounters since. Um, and just in case you're wondering, because I'm kind of curious, here is what monster wolves sound like. I think I had an, 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 an the. I think I had an amplifier that sounded like that at one time. Yeah, I was gonna say. I think the monster <laughs> robot needs to poop. Um, I would rather have a bear in my neighborhood. <laughs> I'd rather have a robot bear in my neighborhood. Robot bear, robot bears. Are you okay with robot bears? Robot right. bears are pretty. Cool. Yes, I am over nine thousand percent okay with monster robots. <laughs> <laughs> um, random text moment, shall we? Random text moment. Yes. Are you okay? No. 
The moving pictures. Dot, dot. Sexy. Frig like a bear can't tell the diff. <laughs> it's like God what? Godzilla, like yeah, on a like a really really bad sound system in a drive-through. <laughs> yeah, this is the Shift Daily podcast. In speaking of uh, Jason and uh, his terrible taste in sports teams, I don't know. Just a segue. The Cowboys are terrible. Jason's favorite <laughs> team. Um, he has a rule in his house that you're not allowed to wear any other team swag except for the Cowboys. Is that right or wrong, Jay? Um, yes, that is the uh, rule around my close loved ones. Around me, go. anyways. Okay. Gotta wear the Cowboys gear. Well, they're terrible, so let's talk sports, because that's really the only sporting thing that's been happening in the world. And to get us into the conversation, we needed to lead it to somebody who knew everything about all of it. Joining us now is Rob Williams. He's sports editor for the Daily Hive. Rob, I'm so glad you're here. We want to cover all the things, including hockey, because that's a big one. But the big question is, are we like ever going to have, are we ever going to have sports again? I, I hope so. Jeez. <laughs> right you're making me, you're making me i uh <laughs> i uh i thanks for squeezing us into your tight sports schedule <laughs> these days um i don't know how you guys have done the you sports folks you guys have gone from no sports to oh my god all the sports to no sports yeah. <laughs> like your sports world man you guys are up and down and what are you doing to keep busy these days yeah, you know what? It, it feels a little bit like April and May, kind of, but uh, and, and June for that matter. But uh, I mean, we do have the. Ma- I'm, I'm not the biggest golf guy in the world, but Masters is on in November for the first time. That starts tomorrow, so that's that's big for a lot of people. And we do have NFL and um, and MLS playoffs. But the you know the big ones is that this time of year is is normally hockey season, and and normally that's what I'm mostly wrapped up in, and and as well as the NBA. Uh, and, and not having both of those two leagues on right now um, definitely leaves a big hole. And, and particularly with the NFL, you know, it, the NFL is hugely popular in Canada, but it's mostly a Sunday thing, right? So there's this right. and, the, and the occasional Monday and, and uh, Thursday games. So um, definitely a big hole in the sports calendar this year, though, for sure. We have um, also normally we're getting ready for the Grey Cup too, which is kind of strange to not have that. I mean, for us in our house, Grey Cup Sunday, when Grey Cup was done, it was always put up the Christmas tree day. So, you know, I mean, it's funny how life kind of settles in and you realize, oh, right, there's, um, you know, I'm really kind of missing the sports, whether you're a football fan or not. So let's kind of pick these off. We do have tennis right now. Yep. So that's, I mean, only so much fun to watch on TV, but at least we got something to talk about. Yeah, I mean tennis. The, the grand, I think the Grand Slams are are over with, and and the, the there's no Canadian Open this year. You know, Rogers Cup. So I think that you know once those are done, I, I would say that you know unless you're a diehard tennis fan, you, you usually kind of check out uh, of most of the the rest of the tournaments. I would say. Um, so I, I would say that that's not probably high on many people's radars, but well, it's not high on many people's <laughs> radars. Most days is what kind of what I was getting at. Um, 
Okay, with well Major League Soccer, I mean, Jason Manawas, uh, Sunshine Sparkle Pants, the show producer here, he has an extra small soccer jersey he likes to fit into and cheer on his teams. But, I mean, even that, I mean, is, is kind of far away and not a huge following in North America. Is it really? Uh, you know, I would say the, the issue with MLS right now is that it doesn't have a huge national following. So I think if you're... If your team is in it, then then absolutely it's big. So if you you know you're if you're in Toronto or Montreal, you know the impact and TFC are, are preparing for playoff matches like that's huge. Um, if you're in Vancouver where I am, the Whitecaps have been eliminated, and I don't think there's a huge amount of people that are going to be paying attention to the MLS Cup playoffs in in Vancouver. Be, you know just by virtue of the Whitecaps being out. Right, and, you know, right. going to, so, going back to the to the Grey Cup, like what you're saying, I I would say that that's something where the CFL definitely has an advantage over MLS in Canada is that the Grey Cup's on that draws interest from coast to coast, right? Yeah, well, it does. It, it totally does. So, okay, well, there's a couple of strikes there. <laughs> um, we've got. <laughs> I mean, this is this was kind of the point was to to get into the fact that you know there are things happening, but it's a a lot of duds and. You can't even watch a good old darts match because you can't put that many people in a room, a bunch of <laughs> drunkos yelling and screaming at a dartboard. <laughs> yeah, not a COVID-friendly uh, sport, for sure. <laughs> not an alcohol-friendly sport, but yet somehow <laughs> it works, you know? Um, okay, so let's get into the things that we do know. The things that we do know is uh, NBA. There's some gossip about the NBA and when, when it's coming back and what's happening. What are we looking at? Yeah, the NBA, uh, they've, they've just recently uh, reached a deal between the uh, owners and players to restart the season on December 22nd. So that ensures that the marquee uh, Christmas Day games will be going on uh, in the NBA. They haven't, they haven't announced the specific games, so we don't know if the Toronto Raptors will be involved on Christmas Day. But that's going to be huge, and they're playing 72 games, which is you know only 10 games off of what their normal schedule looks like. Um, they're, despite the fact that they're going to be starting, uh, virtually two months late. Uh, so they're, you know, expect a condensed schedule. Uh, there's a lot to be still to be decided. And one of the big things is the Toronto Raptors don't know if they'll be able to play in Toronto or are they going to have to move to another uh, city in the United States, which is, you know, exactly what the Toronto Blue Jays had to do. That's exactly what all three, Canadian MLS teams had to do this last year uh, was find new temporary homes in the United States. So um, the Raptors are still holding out hope that they can, they can play games in Toronto, but that's going to take some convincing in the Canadian government. You know, perhaps there's, there's enough tech, you know, medical advancements with rapid testing that they can maybe have a higher degree of, of certainty of, of not just the Raptors coming in and out of the country for games, but also having uh, visiting teams coming in and out of the country. So, uh, Perhaps there's a solution there um, with rapid testing. You know, I don't think it's there yet, but perhaps that's something that can happen in the coming months. So, I mean, NHL is clearly watching that one closely because that would be um, uh, an important one for that. So the Raptors, though, I mean, really TikTok here, we, we are three weeks away from the beginning of December. And if they're going to start camp and get started a couple of weeks after that, I mean, not only... I'm guessing that you don't pack up a football team in an hour and go create camp in, you know, Montana. Yeah. No, I, I mean, there's been plenty of rumors and, and uh, the Raptors are talking to various places. There was talks that 
Uh, Kansas City's mayor is really involved. He's been openly campaigning for the Raptors to go play there. I think geography-wise, that doesn't really work well for the Raptors, uh, just by virtue of the fact that their divisional opponents are, um, you know, in and around the New York area primarily. So, uh, the 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 idea that it's made the most sense to me so far is to play in Newark, New Jersey, which is where the new at the home of the New Jersey Devils NHL team. They could play out of there and, you know, be a bus ride to play the New York Knicks or the Brooklyn Nets and, you know, be short flights to Boston and Philadelphia. So that to me makes a lot of sense. If they, if you had to choose, if you have to choose a place in the United States, why not choose uh, the place that puts you in the best position travel wise? Um, you know, but there's tons of other options though that, you know, Nashville has been uh, talked about as a, as a potential option. They could go to Buffalo. That would be the you know quickest in terms of you know getting staff across the border. You can drive there, um, so maybe that makes sense. Um, but uh, they definitely have options. My my guess is that they would be having you know that they've got two plans in place right now. They're, that they're coming up with a plan if they have to play in the United States, while at the same time they've got somebody lobbying. Um, the Canadian government and, and the NBA as a league is also apparently lobbying the Canadian government to, to figure out a solution there. Um, and, and, you know, and perhaps something can be made that, that, uh, you know, perhaps some sort of uh, short-term bubbles where, you know, visiting teams aren't allowed to just hit up restaurants in town <laughs> and not that they're open anyways right now in Toronto, but, you know, perhaps they can do it in a safe way. I'm not so sure that they will, and, and you know, maybe until you know, until there's a vaccine uh, in place. So, um, well, Buffalo is amazing, by the way. If you go to the Walden Galleria in Cheektowaga, just saying, um, <laughs> it would be worth it just for that. Okay, so that takes care of basketball because basketball is looking to step outside the old bubble idea and actually do a more conventional travel schedule. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I think we've seen with uh, Major League Baseball and the NFL that it can be done. Um, now, both of those sports had definitely had major issues in terms of yeah. players uh, contracting uh, COVID. I, I think the advantage that basketball has is that the teams are much smaller. I mean, you only need uh, you only have about 15 traveling players on, on your team. And, uh, and, and, you know, far, I mean, NFL has that many coaches <laughs> just alone, never, right. never mind that for players. So that, so it becomes, I think a lot more doable in, in that scenario. Um, but you know, there's, a, there's always challenges for sure. All right. So hockey now gossip for January 1st, still, um, some prep for that and, possibly some realignment of what happens for the cross border stuff. So what, what are we hearing for hockey? Cause that's, that's the golden egg here for most people. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, the latest rumblings are that there's going to be decisions made in the, it, you know, in the coming weeks, uh, there's supposed to be a big meeting involving uh, owners on uh, t- tomorrow. Uh, so we probably will start hearing a few more things. Uh, we did hear from, uh, of course, Gary Bettman at the draft, who, who said that January 1st was their target date. Um, they're starting to get late in the game to be still aiming for January 1st. That would also require teams to be uh, doing training camp over Christmas. So I don't know if that makes sense or does it make sense to just wait until after Christmas. So there's there's different um, 
ways of thinking for that. Uh, we also had the, the owner of the Vegas Golden Knights came out and essentially said, you know, you know, if we're not going to be, if we can't have like, you know, a lot more fans than what Nevada currently allows, um, you know, that, that it doesn't make sense to operate. So, and I think that there probably are, there probably is a split with owners saying like, you know, let's just wait as long as we can. Um, and, and, and I think that that remains to be seen if that's what, what they decide to do, because you could say, you know, wait as long as you possibly can to start your season. And in that case, you'll, you know, perhaps play more games with either reduced capacities or maybe I'm dreaming full capacity if there's a vaccine and, and uh, we're able to get through this. That it, 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 what it looks like currently is that they will be starting the season with some cities allowing fans and some cities not allowing fans. And I mean, in Florida, Florida's governor has basically said that they don't have any cap on capacity, which is just outrageous. <laughs> I um, so I don't think the NHL, even if, you know, even if Florida says uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning and Florida Panthers can pack their, not that the Florida Panthers could pack their stadium anyways, but the, yeah, you know, the Tampa, we'll say the Tampa Bay Lightning, if they could pack their stadium full of people, even if Florida's governor allows that, I think the NHL would want, a, you know, a more responsible um, approach so uh, it remains to be seen. I, I think there's going to be some uh, some mix of, of having fans in some stadiums and some not. Uh, and like I was saying earlier with the Toronto Raptors, of course, there's the issue of crossing the border. So the I think conventional wisdom right now is that they'll likely realign the NHL and, and have an entirely Canadian division. And you know it mm. works out numbers wise, seven teams. The divisions in the NHL are seven or eight teams uh, large. So I think they might do a bit of realigning there. They're also talking about potentially doing some sort of bubble scenario. And now this won't be as strict as the bubbles that we saw in Toronto and Edmonton for the Stanley Cup playoffs. They're talking about, you know, situations where you could have teams flying in and flying out of the bubble. So let's say the bubbles in Winnipeg teams will fly in uh, for two weeks play a highly condensed number of games and then a team will fly home and they can spend a week with their family and then come back the next week. Of course, getting tested and staying in a hotel and, and, and all of those things to try to, to, to mitigate any uh, possible spread of the virus um, while not, you know, not caging in NHL players, which is essentially what they did, you know, albeit in luxury yeah. hotels Um so, so yeah, that was the nicest that, prison ever. Yeah. So, the, <laughs> and I think that's what we, um, that's what the NHL needs to decide right now is, are they going to go with that sort of bubble format? Um, if they do, it's going to co- cost a lot more money, not just, you know, housing players in, in these, uh, in these hotels and, and, and building up bubbles again. Uh, but also, you know, Right now, the Dallas Stars and Tampa Bay Lightning, you know, they just went to the Stanley Cup final. Uh, both of those states allow fans in buildings. So they could conceivably make some money off of, you know, they'll, they'll lose money, but they'll lose less money if they were able to, to have some fans in the building. So I think that's the thing, thing that the NHL needs to decide right now is, is what, you know, what format are they going to do? They're 
definitely going to have under 82 games. Uh, conventional wisdom is that they would not have fewer than 48 games, which is what they've done in lockout shortened seasons before. And on top of all of this, the <laughs> they need to finish before the Olympics start this summer. Now, it's the Summer Olympics, but NBC holds the rights to the Olympics in the United States. They are also the NHL rights holders. So I don't think they would want to uh, mess with their rights holder uh, for the Stanley Cup playoffs. So they right. need to have that done by July um, at the very latest. Well, that's a good point because TV deals usually dictate most things when it comes to these schedules. All I know is I look forward to something. It's got to be something. Um, I mean, I would even take curling at this point. I mean, curling's all right, but only to a point, you know? <laughs> yeah. Hey, I mean, curling is one of the sports that uh, here in BC, they're uh, you know locking things down. Curling is one of the sports. They said you can, you can still curl. Uh, you know, not have to box, you know, play hockey, but you can curl. I do. Um, I do look forward to a couple of things though, which is, which is good news. Junior hockey has seen uh, some of the benefit of this and drawback. Of course, there's caps of like a hundred fans and stuff like that to keep it, you know, the same in most places and, and fair playing field for all the teams. But there are lots of uh, two-way deal guys that will go back to the OHL and WHL uh, the Quebec major junior. And there are a lot of WHL, OHL, at least I know in the WHL, those guys can, some of them can go back to the Alberta junior, BC junior, if they were already signed there. So you're going to get a lot of fantastic players that are going down for a few weeks through the course of the end of November into December. So some local hockey might be uh, really, really exciting because it's going to be different this year. So I look forward to that part. Yeah, I mean, I saw the Vancouver Giants had just loaned some players out to some lower leagues, uh, as you say. Um, you know, the other thing that's going to be big for junior hockey is the World Juniors. Uh, it's going to be played in Edmonton uh, this December and January, and that promises, you know, without fans. So it's not we're not going to have the the um, you know the hockey crazed uh, fans of Edmonton in the building, which which always makes for a, a cool sight. Um, but we're likely to have a, a much higher quality world juniors this year because players won't be, you know, all the, there'll be a number of players that would have been in the NHL, um, but are instead going to play the world juniors, you know, because the NHL is, you know, probably not starting January 1st. I think most people don't see that. And, and, you know, the world juniors wraps up in, in uh, the first week of January. So I think we're going to see some, some great hockey going on in Edmonton. Look forward to it. Rob Williams, sports editor, Daily Hive. Thank you very much, sir, for sharing some time and uh, giving us a little bit of hope. Maybe. <laughs> Anytime. Thanks. This is the Shift Daily Podcast. It seems to be dad joke day. Catherine sent in a dad joke before we get to uh, Jason here. I just want to read this to you. It's very good. Ready? Oh, I'm always ready. French fries were not invented in France. They were invented in Greece. <laughs> i like that one <laughs> well done Catherine. uh we need to do it like a dad joke day when the news gets to be so heavy or the covid and we're sick of it we're just gonna do hours of dad jokes it's the place of headlines tonight we're doing dad jokes that would be pretty cool actually i think we i think we're almost at that point this week now with the with the code red, the COVID red in Toronto and the COVID red in Manitoba, we could use some dad jokes. Good old dad jokes. 
make everyone feel good. All right, let's time to uh, let's get into in case you missed it with uh, young Jason here. The shift with Shane Hewitt is really lit. Here's Jason Manawas with in case you missed it. I, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> what did you do? That was That's good. Amazing. Whoa. Oh. Who was that? Who was like that? <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, yeah, it was. Wow. Um, that was actually uh, Sabrina. Sabrina's rendition of the "In Case You Missed It" song. So, thank That's you. Very good. Thank you, Sabrina. Thank you, Sabrina. That was fun. Right? That was awesome. All right. So, <laughs> thanks, Sabrina, for uh, my new intro song. Uh, just kidding, Matt. Don't worry. Yours, uh, yours will still be there, of course. Um, but just to be clear, that was remixed one, by producer Jay. Yep. <laughs> that was mixed. Producer Jay in the house. Uh, but in case you missed it, one uh, Jeffrey Tubin has been fired from The New Yorker following a three-week-long investigation into an incident on Zoom where he was caught pleasuring himself. Uh, in a statement today, I was fired today by The New Yorker after 27 years as a staff writer. The veteran journalist tweeted Wednesday, I will always love the magazine, will miss my colleagues, and will look forward to reading their work. And if you didn't know or hear about this story, here's how this all started, and this is from KTLA 5. Consider the case of Jeffrey Tubin, a deeply respected writer and television commentator who until yesterday served regularly as the on-air chief justice correspondent for CNN. What really uh, amazes me is the John Thunes, the Susan Collins who say, the president has learned his lesson. Yeah. <laughs> no, he has not. No, he has not. He is gonna do this again. He, want, he, he said he will do it again. And the idea that there Let's is see. some chastening here is absurd. Tubin has been a fixture on CNN for decades. And this story shows how he remained firmly placed among the media elite. Imagine this, a top-tier Zoom call. People on the call, some of the biggest writers from the most respected magazine in the country. Uh, Tubin is on a call with colleagues from The New Yorker who are playing some... Rich plan- DeMuro was on there? No, no, these are just... This is our oh. generic Zoom. Our Zoom, Zoom oh, okay. video. Uh, His kids planning some special... Yikes election coverage, uh, along with not only folks from The New Yorker, from uh, New York City's premier public radio station, uh, WNYC, all told about 20 people are on the Zoom call. There's some breakout rooms. Speaking of breaking out, according to press reports, at some point, Tubin engages in an intimate act of self-gratification, seemingly unaware that a Zoom camera is on. For his part, Tubin calls the incident an embarrassing and stupid mistake. New Yorker has suspended the longtime writer. Tubin himself asked to be taken off the air at CNN while he deals with a, quote, personal issue. All say, what happens to Tubin now? His best-selling book about the O.J. Simpson trial, the run of his life, was the basis for the star-studded FX movie. Tubin had other books in development for Hollywood productions. And as you can imagine, this has received huge headlines all around the world. And the question many people are asking, especially in this climate, can Tubin's career survive? And it didn't, according well, it to the newest story today. It might. It take time. Um, there have been people who have come back from, you know, things like that. You know, there's always product endorsements, I'm sure. A couple that he could probably do. Yeah. yeah. It's just a shame. Like, And it's a very 21st century, you know, kind of problem, you know, to be... You know, if you were like on a, on a conference call on the phone and if you were, you know, for lack of a better term, shocking the monkey, uh, like, shock the monkey. 
monkey. It wouldn't. Shock it, the th- monkey. There'd be no problem. It wouldn't have come up. But like the, you know, right. you, you would have seen them on the the Zoom call. It's the, yeah, but it'd be kind of like at work, right? Like if you were at work, and uh, because the Zoom call was at work, right? And if you were at work, yeah. maybe you had to, you know, go to the bathroom to let some air out of the balloon, if you will. Um, the um, you know, and you got and that, and that became a, a public thing or got caught, then you would also probably get let go from that office too, right? Yes, for, for sure. It's just, um... but if that happened to anybody else other than Jeffrey Tubin, it's not news, right? For sure, oh, yeah. So just because I, this is the part that I struggle with, just because he chose to be a broadcaster and he was very beloved, like. He, he was very good and had a long-running career. Everybody loved him. So just because he chose to have a career in the public eye, it's news when I'm sure there are other people in the world that have oh, be, uh, you know, been the, caught yeah. you know, rolling the dice or feeding the geese at work. Mixing business with pleasure. And then they, they got let go <laughs> because you know, you know, they were tossing breadcrumbs to the ducks. Yeah. All right, guys. All right, guys. Let's. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, so a lot of people are still ask, are still asking. Um, uh, how about CNN, um, where he Matt's serves as a chief there. Wait, legal... wait, wait. Matt's dying. Matt, are you okay? I've never heard the breadcrumb and ducks one before. Oh okay. my god. That's a good one, man. Sorry. Okay, I'm back. So we um, yeah. We so, so at CNN, um, the network has yet to confirm whether Tubin will resume his role. So that there's are that you... for the people who are asking about CNN. Can I pass on a text message, please? Just one more. Yes, please. Please. If people don't start using the slang verb tubin to mean caught doing something inappropriate on a Zoom meeting, I'd be very disappointed, <laughs> says Greg in Calgary. Okay, done. All right, tubin. Um, all right, well, thi- well this guy got tubined uh, in, the, in our second, in case you missed it here. Uh, so during the U.S. presidential election that you know obviously was getting worldwide coverage, a France reporter interviewed an American seemed to be touring France and had this reaction to his question about the U- about the US presidential election <laughs> how he's in France I have no clue but this answer was so surprising and funny that at the end of that clip the reporter literally had to pause cuz he couldn't stop laughing here it is and I've been hey. to France, it's beautiful. Hey, he did, he did, he did, so, 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 I love a croissant. I love an omelette du fromage. What? That reporter took it really, really well, though. He had laughed so hard, he had to turn his back. Yeah, he did. He... Wow. That was weird. <laughs> Well, so he was just doing the report in in French. He was like a French broadcaster, and this dude walks up and does his worst French impression ever. Spot the tourist. Worse than mine. Worse than mine. It is worse than yours, and that's hard to beat. Oh no, that was that was a bad like that was bad, dude. Like that's just <laughs> dude. The reporter did he a good up job. Escargots. Well. Yeah, escargots, croissant, ha ha ha. Um, <laughs> Zitalor. I, I contain um, oh, all right. So yeah, that was, uh, that was a guy. I still don't know how he's in France with this whole COVID thing, but, uh, yeah. Uh, but in case you missed it three and it's a good day, not just for me, but for my boys, my guys, oh, boy. the South Korean Beatles Correct. with an introduction from James Corden, BTS receives the 2020 
Music Innovator Award at WSJ Magazine's 10th Annual Innovator Awards. And here's the award being presented. Hello, James Corden here. Um, it's an honor for me to be doing this. I'll never forget the first time that BTS came and performed on the show. I don't think any of us involved in working the show in front of camera and off camera knew quite how incredible they are or how passionate their fan base are. And every time they've come by our show, I have been blown away by their professionalism, their nature, and their incredible talent. I'll never forget every time they've been here. I will certainly never forget driving around in a car with them. We had the best time, and it's an honor for me, and I'd like to say congratulations to my good friends, BTS, for being WSJ Magazine's 2020 Music Innovator of the Year. beyond exciting to see that BTS is like the biggest band in the world and just transcends all cultural barriers. Yeah, so basically um, they, uh, they, they go out, they go to thank um, everyone who obviously um, got that uh, helped them to get to the award. Uh, they talk about how uh, 2020 has been a challenging year and how they hope their music will help people in their difficult times. Uh, one of the members um, started talking about how he struggled um, with, it, uh, with mental health problems and uh, being a part of BTS has helped him uh, to get over some of his uh, mental health uh, issues. And then uh, there's been uh, there were some uh, reporters and some journalists in there that also talked about the significance of um, BTS, their innovation in music, and how they're continuing to change uh, every time, which reminds him of the Beatles, which I, that's why I referenced in the beginning, the uh, South Korean Beatles. Yeah. Um, I will absolutely say you're accurate with South Korean Beatles. We need to, um, because the way they've come into North America and they've done so many um, amazing things. Now, the time will tell, though, um, if cookie cutter music from today, the English stuff they're doing, will last the test of time like the Beatles have fast forward 50 years. That'll be For the sure. question. Uh, the impact today, yes. 50 years from now, are we still going to be playing BTS songs on the radio? Probably. You'd be I would imagine. Maybe in Korea. You'd we'll be see. amazed yeah. what sticks around. Well, yeah, but the Beatles are That's still true. playing in North America, right? And so it will be curious to see what sticks around. I mean, you know, we still play the Bee Gees from time to time, and there's probably some people back in the 70s who said the Bee Gees were just, you know, sort of popping whatever. Turns out they're one of the biggest of all of ever, so... Who knows? But it is it is remarkable, Jason. I think you're onto something. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, let's, well, let's hope for my boys, my guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the last, in case you missed it, uh, let's get a bit geeky. So the X Men love them or hate them. It's hard to argue with social issues they represent and how it helped many kids growing up who thought they were a bit different. However, what would what would a uh, world look like if there were X Men and superheroes living among us? More importantly, what type of jobs would suck if you had to deal with some of the X-Men? In this new video from Dorkly, we learn from regular mundane jobs 
we learned which regular mundane jobs would be that much worse due to due to the existence of the X-Men and other mutants. So let's break these down a bit. First one is how a TSA agent or customs agent will deal with Wolverine. Here's a clip. Next, make sure you take off your belt, empty the change from your pockets. Sorry, had my adamantium keys in my pocket. Let me just grab them with my claws. Hey, yeah. Yeah, never mind. It's fine. Go ahead. Also, his whole skeleton is made of adamantium, so he would never make it through that thing. <laughs> he would be always. Yeah, like, doesn't never. matter. Leave his belt on. He would just never fly. <laughs> uh, next, an optometrist with Cyclops. <laughs> Alrighty then, let's just take off your glasses and read this line here. Oops! Sorry, I, I think it was A-V-Q. Sorry for interrupting, but there seems to be a- <laughs> Oh, sorry, 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 sorry! <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Sorry, sorry, and, sorry. And uh, lastly, Dorkly put- uh, Dorkly puts, uh, points out a last, uh, um, like a point about mutants on how they're treated differently because this is just being a mutant in general. Today the world was saved by Spider-Man, Captain America, the Fantastic Four, and other beloved superpowered beings. In other news, the Mutant Registration Act passed because for some reason we only hate and fear superheroes if their superpowers are genetic. Can't really explain why. It's not like we actually know how Spider-Man got his powers, but it is what it is. Are you having? Ugh, we have to get a new publicist. And we got a text in that wanted to clear up um, uh, BLT. Is BLT going to be on the radio in 50 years? BTS. Uh, there will not be any um, radio, is the texter. Look. It'll hey, be my stomach. <laughs> BTS on the radio in 50 years, there will not be any radio. That's hurtful, man. They also figured, and remember, the early 80s, uh, that video was going to kill the radio star. Just saying. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Tune into the show online or on the radio.